Do you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. In church, you hear a fair amount about God the Father. You probably hear even more about God the Son. But we don't hear that much in church about the Holy Spirit. So in this half hour, we're just going to ask two questions. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? And number two, what does he do in our lives? So let us talk today about the Holy Spirit. Let's open with prayer. Father, we, we do want to pray that you would reveal to each person listening to this program exactly who the Holy Spirit is, and if they do not yet have the Holy Spirit, Lord, we would pray that you might draw them to Christ and give them the Spirit. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first question, who is the Holy Spirit? Before I tell you who he is, let me tell you who he is not. Number one. The Holy Spirit is not our spirit. If you watch Channel 2 public television here in the Twin Cities, they often have a New Age guru by the name of Richard, excuse me, uh, Wayne Dyer. And he's written a new book and he's teaching there is no difference between the divine spirit, God, and our spirit. And his basic point is the Holy Spirit is our spirit. We are God. No, we're not. <laughs> Second thing to say about who the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not our feelings. I, I knew a Baptist pastor who said a little girl in his church was dying. They had a prayer meeting on uh, an evening in the, in the week, and they prayed for the little girl to be healed. And he said, we left that prayer meeting with such a knowledge, such a strong feeling that God was going to heal that little girl. And the next morning, she was dead. And she sa he said, I learned from that incident not to confuse my feelings with the Holy Spirit. And as a pastor, I see this in the church. Here's someone who has such a strong desire for something to happen, they think that must be the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily. Next thing to say about who the Holy Spirit is not, the Holy Spirit is not our conscience. I mean, for some people, if they don't say a Hail Mary every day, it bothers their conscience. For me, if I was to say a Hail Mary once, it would bother my conscience because I believe we only pray to God. So God, the Holy Spirit, can work on our conscience, but we don't equate the Holy Spirit with our conscience because our conscience can be wrong. I mean, for instance, some of you probably, I tend to be this way, have an overactive conscience, and you're feeling guilt about all kinds of things that really are okay. But there are other people who have an underactive conscience, and they're doing all kinds of things that are sin, and they don't have a clue. I mean, a pastor said to me some time ago, he said, before I was saved, I didn't have a clue that having sex outside of marriage was a sin. I thought it was the most natural thing on earth. So let your conscience be your guide. No, your conscience can be wrong. The Holy Spirit is not our conscience. Next thing to say 
about the Holy Spirit, and this is very important. The Holy Spirit does not speak contrary to Scripture. Now follow this. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, so the Holy Spirit is not going to contradict the Bible. Let me give you a for instance. <clears throat> Here's a young woman who tells me, I believe God is calling me to be a preacher, and I'm going to go to seminary and be a preacher over a church someday. And I said to her, but have you read 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul says women aren't to preach over men in the church? Well, who are you to question God's calling on my life? I said, hey, God wrote the Bible. God wrote that, and he doesn't contradict the scriptures. Years ago, a very liberal Lutheran pastor was promoting homosexual behavior as, as, as it, it's okay now. And I sat in his office and I, wrote, I showed him Romans 1 where the Bible says homosexual behavior is a sin. The pastor said, quote, the Holy Spirit is giving us higher consciousness on this issue than the Apostle Paul had when he wrote Romans chapter 1. And I said, the Holy Spirit does not contradict himself. If he said something was wrong 2,000 years ago, he's not going to turn around and contradict himself and come up something new today. <laughs> so, who is, who is the Holy Spirit? First, he is not our spirit. We're not New Agers. He is not our feelings. He is not our conscience. And he never contradicts what he inspired, the Holy Scripture. All right, so who is the Holy Spirit? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit is God. Read John 4, 24. Jesus says God is spirit. Read Acts 5, 3 through 4, etc. The Holy Spirit is God. And just to review the doctrine of the Trinity, Christians believe in one God, not three gods. Christian believe, Christians believe in one God who exists in three equal and eternal persons. God the Father made us. God the Son died for us. God the Spirit lives inside of Christians. So we believe the Holy Spirit is God. The next thing to say about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is a person in the sense, not in the sense that there's three bodies up on three thrones in heaven, but person in the sense that he has a mind, will, and emotions. Because, you know, the cults teach, like Jehovah's Witnesses teach, that the Holy Spirit is not God and he's not a person. He's just like a force, like the wind or something. But, you know, it says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't grieve the wind. You can only grieve a person. And it says in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit talks. Well, the wind doesn't talk. A force doesn't talk. A person talks. So we believe in, who is the Holy Spirit? The answer is the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. All right. For the last half of the sermon, we're going to ask the question, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? Eight things. Number one, John chapter 6 16, Jesus says, verse 8, When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. The first thing the Holy Spirit does, he convicts us of sin. We have a, a woman of our church who's kind of brand new to our church. She's been coming for a few months. She said to me a while ago, Pastor Tom, it wasn't until I started coming to this church that I realized what a sinner I am. <laughs> and I said to her, that's one thing the Holy Spirit does. He opens our eyes to show us our sin and how much we need a Savior. And can I say this? Have you noticed this? You used to hear, oh my God, now and then. I hear, oh my God, all the time now, not just on television, but walking in the street talking to me. I get so sick of hearing, oh my God, and people violating the second commandment, don't, don't take God's name in vain. 
People need to get, get the conviction of the Spirit on using that phrase. So the first thing the Spirit does, he convicts us of our sin. Second thing the Spirit does, this is from 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we read in Titus 3, God saved us by washing of re regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So first he convicts us of our sins. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, he converts us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you didn't convert yourself. The Holy Spirit converted you. And uh, some of you had to memorize this when you were little. Martin Luther's Catechism from the 1500s. Here it is. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength come to my Lord Jesus Christ or believe in him. But the Holy Spirit uh, has enlightened me with his gifts, drawn me, called me by the gospel, sanctified and kept me, etc. In other words... You didn't convert you. <laughs> the reason you're a Christian right now is because of the Holy Spirit. I have a friend by the name of Buddy Balo, and he said to me, Tom, have I ever told you how I got saved? And I said, no. One night, my friend begged me to come to this evangelism meeting at his church. I didn't want to go, but he begged, and so I said, okay. We go to this church service, and I don't want to be there. I'm leaning on the back wall. And the preacher up front says, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come forward. And Buddy Balo said, I felt this push in my back. And I turned around, just bricks. Second time, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, come forward. Buddy Balo said, a second time, I felt a shove. Third and final time, if you've never accepted Christ. And Buddy Balo said, the third shove was so strong, he stumbled, walked all the way up to the altar, and got saved that night. <laughs> now, did Buddy Balo convert himself that night? No, he wanted not to be converted. And the only reason, if you're a saved Christian right now, it's because the Holy Spirit converted you against your will. None of our human wills would go for God because we're sinners. God saves us against our will by giving us the Spirit. Third, so the Holy Spirit convicts us. He converts us. Third thing the Spirit does, Jesus said in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Next thing the Spirit does, he teaches us. There's a story that hundreds of years ago in Europe, Queen Sophia had two twin sons who were the kings. They were on the throne. But they were little boys, and people would come to the little boys, the boy kings, to talk to them. And they were amazed at the wisdom of these young boys. Behind the, the thrones was a screen. And behind the screen was Queen Sophia, who would whisper to the boys what to say to the uh, audience. <laughs> That's kind of a picture of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, even if you've never been to college, you are smarter than many of the PhDs at the University of Minnesota. You know, a lot of people who have PhDs teaching in universities are on their way to hell. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you are smarter because the Holy Spirit inwardly is teaching you than... People with degrees. Next thing the Spirit does, Acts 9.31. So the church was walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Next thing the Holy Spirit does, he comforts us. Very often when you're down, God will send another Christian to you and will comfort you through a Christian. Sometimes God just uses something strange to comfort you. This happened to me a while ago. I was sitting at my computer worrying about something, 
and in my face, out of nowhere, an email popped up on the screen. And here's what it said. A memo from God. Quit worrying. Put it on my to-do list, says the Lord. Trust me. Leave it alone. Talk to me. Have faith. Be patient. <laughs> so I think the Lord spoke to me through an email. I mean, I saw a funny sign in front of a church recently. It said, why pray when you can worry? I thought that was pretty funny. And the point is, God the Holy Spirit comforts us through people, through scripture, through all kinds of things. Next thing the Spirit does from Romans 8:16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Next thing the Spirit does, he gives us assurance of salvation. I had a woman ask me recently, "How can I be sure I'm going to heaven?" And I pointed her to the promises of Scripture. And I said, well, the Bible promises you, if you're sorry for your sins and you're trusting Jesus alone for your salvation, that you're saved. And I said to her, are you sorry for your sins? Are you trusting only Jesus for your salvation? And she said, oh, yes. I said, well, then God won't break his promise. You will be saved. But, you know, I could have answered her differently. I could have used this verse from Romans 8. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are children of God. And I could, I could have said to her, do you have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that your sins are forgiven and that you're saved? Story of a little boy flying his kite. The kite got so far out there you couldn't see the kite anymore. A man walks by, little, bo little boy, what are you doing? Well, mister, I'm flying my kite. Well, I don't see any kite. How do you know there's a kite out there? And he said, mister, I can feel the tug question I would ask you today is this. Do you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Do you have the inner witness of the spirit that you're saved? You know, let me say this. There are days I can kind of wonder if I'm saved because I'm so sinful. <laughs> but that's when I feel the inner tug of the Holy Spirit saying, Tom, your sins are forgiven. For Christ's sake, you are saved. Do you have that? Next thing the Spirit does, Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Next thing the Spirit does, <coughs> excuse me, he gives us power to witness. Often when I'm on a plane, I'll get nervous, wondering, God, am I supposed to talk to this stranger next to me about the gospel? So under my breath, I will pray, Lord, if it's supposed to happen, make it happen, and give me the power of the Spirit. And, you know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, but I want to ask you this. If there's someone you think maybe you're supposed to talk to about Jesus, Jesus said when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll become powerful witnesses. So pray, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Help me talk to my uncle. Next thing the Spirit does, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. We all are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Next thing that means that the Spirit does in our lives, he changes our lives. We're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you kind of the big question for this sermon. Has the Holy Spirit changed your life? I'm not asking are you perfect. We talk direction, not perfection. You won't be perfect till heaven, but has the direction of your life changed? Is there evidence that the Holy Spirit is making you different? And if there's no evidence that you're different from the world or from what you would be apart from Christ, you've got to ask yourself if you're saved, if you have the Holy Spirit. Last thing the Spirit does. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul writes, To each Christian is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And in that context, Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts. So here's the last thing the Spirit does. He gives every Christian a spiritual gift. May I list for you the 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here they are. Speaking, serving, prophesying, teaching, helping, administration, encouraging, contributing, leadership, evangelism, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit and has one of those gifts. Your job is to find out, what's my gift, Lord, and use that to, sh to serve the kingdom. Uh, for instance, <laughs> we have a woman called Denise at our church who knows finances. She knows how to run the finances. My checkbook hasn't balanced for probably 15 years. You want Denise in charge. That's her gift. You want Denise in charge of the finances of Hope Church, not me. On the other hand, the last thing Denise wants to do is preach a sermon. That's, she, she would hate having to do You know, some people would rather die than speak in public, according to the uh, surveys. But I love preaching. So the thing is, you find out what you're good at, and you, you mainly serve the Lord in that area because that's where the Lord will use you the most. It's called spiritual gifts. So let, let's, let's review all this. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? Here they are. Number one, he convicts us of sin. Number two, he converts us to Christ. Number three, he teaches us. Number four, he comforts us. Number five, he assures us of our salvation. Number six, he gives us power to witness about Christ. Number seven, he changes our lives. And number eight, he gives us spiritual gifts. And I close with this. You probably all heard of Helen Keller, who was deaf and blind and mute and all that she did. Well, way before Helen Keller, in 1829... Laura Ridge Bridgman was born in America, and she could not speak, she could not hear, she could not see. There was a man by the name of Dr. S.G. Howe. He wanted to get through to this little girl. And so what he did was, at the same time every day, he took her hand and held her hand as he read to her. And she said when she was older, it was at one of those moments that she got the revelation Someone is trying to tell me something. Laura Bridgman became the first blind, deaf, and uh, mute person to learn to read, to learn to write, to learn to speak. She became such a good seamstress, she became the sewing teacher for Dr. Bridgman's School of Blind People. And she said, though, it all started when I got the revelation, somebody is trying to say something to me. Who is the Holy Spirit? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God who lives inside of Christians, and the Holy Spirit is always trying to tell you something. You can ignore that voice. Many people do. Or you can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He mainly speaks to us through Scripture. He speaks to us through other Christians. He speaks to you when you're in church listening to a sermon. Uh, he can use all kinds of things. But the, the question here is, you know who the Holy Spirit is. You know what he does, but will you listen to him? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in a previous show, 
we talked about syncretism. Mm -hmm. And we've had some listeners that would like you to go a little bit further. So let's start it over again. Yes. First of all, what is syncretism? Syncretism is the heresy that's alive in many liberal Protestant churches and Catholic churches these days that teach that syncretism means you mix together. Sing, sin means with in Greek. So you take Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Taoism, uh, and you mix it all together. And you know what? We all really believe the same thing. That's a heresy, Jackie. Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father, John 14, 6. And so what I did on a, on a previous show, I quoted the head bishop of the Episcopal Church in America, Catherine Jeffords Dashori, who's a universalist. She believes everybody goes to heaven. And she, she likened the Native American God called white buffalo calf woman with the Holy Spirit. We don't think so. And she went on to preach an awful sermon talking about the oneness of everything. And everything is one. Well, that's pantheism. Pantheism is the teaching that God is everything and everything is God. Kind of a Hindu-Buddhist view of God. And so, Jackie, what we've got in the church today are heretical bishops teaching everybody goes to heaven whether you, need, whether you have Christ or not. And teaching that, you know, all religions, we basically say the same thing. That doesn't work. I mean, a Muslim believes Jesus is not God. A Christian believes Jesus is God. We can't both be right. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's syncretism. Okay, but now, you said uh, that she preached this sermon. She's Episcopal. Mm -hmm. uh, is this only in the Episcopal Church no, that we're seeing it? I'm a Lutheran. It's in the Lutheran Church. Uh, one of the reasons we left the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is if you go on their website and, and punch on the button that talks about salvation, uh, it's, it's, by the end of the article, the basic teaching is, well, we don't know, but very possibly everybody will be saved whether you believe in Christ or not. That's not the teaching of the New Testament. Okay, Tom, you were talking, though, like Hindu and uh, <coughs> things like that. Aren't those a philosophy rather than a religion? Well, or? actually... Um, Buddhism is more of a philosophy. You can be an atheist and be a Buddhist because Buddhism is more a philosophy of how to get rid of suffering. The way you get rid of suffering is by getting rid of desire. And so you quell your desires for, for whatever and by, en by emptying yourself of desire, you empty yourself of suffering. Well, you don't need God for that. That's a philosophy. Uh, so it's Buddhism is, but you know, Hinduism is more a religion. They have many gods in Hinduism. And Islam is a religion. But you can't say that all those are right. No. <laughs> yeah, that's so who exactly makes the right. decision of what? God does. And Jesus said, if, here, here's my point to Christians out there who believe in syncretism. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I'm the only way to the Father. He didn't say one of many ways. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me, period. So if you say you're a Christian, you are obligated to believe what Jesus said. And not only did Jesus teach this, Acts chapter 4, verse 16, the apostles are preaching to the Jews. You got the Jewish apostles preaching to the Jews, saying, quote, there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than by the name of Christ. So when you, again, those were the Jewish disciples preaching that to the Jews. So when you hear Christians say, well, Jews are saved by the Old Testament, Christians are saved by the New Testament, that's not what Jesus or his Jewish disciples taught in Acts 4.12. Okay, Pastor Buck, our next question for you is something that probably other people have experienced too. 
we have a listener whose mother is gravely ill and in the hospital and she's not saved. Mm -hmm. Our listener has been sharing her faith with her, praying for her mom's salvation for 27 years. But her question is this, if the doctors and the, that decide that she's not going to make it and stop all of the heroics that they're doing to save her, mm -hmm. will her mom's soul be lost forever? The, the teaching of the New Testament is, he who has the Son has life, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And he who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved, he who believeth not shall be condemned. So if her mother dies rejecting Christ, there is no hope for her soul. So what is a Christian who is in this position with a parent, possibly that doctors are talking of doing mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. this? supposed to do you know she's already done it she told me in that email she has witnessed to her mother many times and so I wrote her back and I said you've done what you could do and I you know I know it's hard not to feel guilt but I really do think from what she said this woman has talked to her mother about Jesus her mother was not interested if her mother dies this daughter is not at all at fault okay pastor Br Brock another listener says they believe strong strongly that they're going to heaven provided that they live by the Ten Commandments to the best of their abilities and that they confess their sins and believe that Jesus paid for their sins. Is this correct? No. <laughs> Jackie, nobody keeps the Ten Commandments to the best of their ability, which is why Jesus had to die on the cross. So what saves us is not me trying my best plus Jesus on the cross. What saves me is Jesus on the cross Period. <laughs> because if you have to add to that, that I also have to be good enough, nobody's going to be good enough. So again, we're saved by grace alone. We're saved by Christ's death alone. And it is true, once you're saved by grace, you want to keep the Ten Commandments. But even still, we're still in our human bodies. We still sin in thought, word, and deed daily. It's only grace that will save us. Another listener said that you stated on our program beforehand that God decides beforehand whether we are going to heaven or not. This person is a Lutheran, and they try very hard to be the Christian that God wants him to be. So does this mean that you're saying that unless God has decided for him to go to heaven, he will not be saved? Um, first of all, again, the person sounds like, I'm trying to be the best person I can, so as if the way you're saved is by what you do. We're not, Ephesians 2, 6, uh, 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not because of your good works, lest any man should boast. And so, uh, but I think to go further in what he's asking, if you're trusting in Christ, well, if, if predestination is true, and, and, and I'm trusting in Christ, but God hasn't chosen me, will I go to hell? And, and here's the answer. If you're trusting in Christ, you've been chosen. You can't believe in Christ if you haven't been uh, predestined by God. Faith is a gift from God. And so uh, there, I want to assure people, if you're trusting in Christ, that's evidence God has chosen you. Okay, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning into the Pastor Study. We ask... Would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is 
The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.